Today's episode of Duncan Holder is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you could buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to dunkholder.robinhood.com. That's dunkholder.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who-dat, who-dat stuff? who you know, that's really kind of a, a fan, you know, that's that's our, our, our chant. Duncan Holder Podcast back at you. Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here on the Athletics Podcast Network. If you're listening to this podcast, you're either A, a subscriber to theathletic.com, appreciate all the business, or B, you're listening to us via Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, tell 20, jump on board the Duncan Holder Podcast, and of course, feel free to subscribe, uh, theathletic.com slash New Orleans or theathletic.com slash Dunk and Holder. And Jeff, so much to talk about. And uh, we were chatting kind of via text before. Uh, we're doing one pa- podcast and it's almost like we could chop this up into 20 because there's so many things going on. Uh, we're going to touch on the Saints offseason as uh, they're in full force at the Senior Bowl, uh, get gearing up for what is next, roster p- procurement. And then we will also discuss... What's going on up at LSU? We know they won a national championship, but people are declaring for the draft. Coaches are leaving, coming and going. We're going to talk about that. And we will talk about what much of the sports world is going to be talking about today and tomorrow. The debut of Zion Williamson for the Pelicans. We've been waiting months at this rate, and it will finally occur on Wednesday. But, Jeff, let's start off with the Saints we know they are now uh, preparing for the offseason a little earlier than uh, maybe the last couple of years with their loss in the wild card round. And I know they're going to be full force at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Mickey Loomis is going to talk to the media uh, later on this week, our local media, and we'll get plenty about that. But, Jeff, uh, look, I've done a roster audit on every roster in the league, basically uh, using the pro football reference approximate value. I know you love that tool. I love that tool. And when you look at the Saints, uh, it seems like on the surface they're in really good shape. But then when you kind of go down 
the roster, there's definitely some holes there. And I think Sean Payton alluded to that in his uh, going away press conference and something that uh, the Saints maybe had more questions this offseason than uh, maybe you anticipate or maybe you would think with a 13-win team. Yeah, I agree. I think there's going to be a lot of change, more so than you would expect from a team coming off back-to-back 13-3 and seasons. Uh, and that's, that's probably healthy. You know, I think year-to-year uh, year you change over the roster. I think there's going to be some changes in the coaching staff. We've already seen one with Mike Nolan. I think there's going to be more changes there. That staff has been intact for a couple of years. So I, I, I don't think there's going to be much change to the core. This team has a very strong core of elite players, and I'm sure Loomis and Peyton and the rest of the Brain, brain Trust are going to work hard to keep that core intact. Uh, but we could see a lot of ancillary changes to the roster. And frankly, I think it might be needed just because, uh, you know, you stay together that long, Larry. Uh, I'm not saying complacency sets in, but I think change, turnover, uh, keeps things fresh. And I, I sense just talking to Sean Payton that um, he feels the same way. So look for a lot of news here over the next few weeks. It's going to be a busy offseason. And Jeff, you look at it as far as you go 11 wins, 13 wins, 13 wins, and people might wonder, how can you go stale when you've got such a good core? Uh, And yet, I think we saw maybe in that NFC wildcard game where it might go stale, where you're wondering how could they kind of come out a little sluggish uh, in the first half and lose to the Vikings. And I think maybe you saw that in that game, and that's probably where, where their heads are, right? Yeah, look, I, I think sometimes uh, change is necessary. We saw Sean Payton do that to the coaching staff a few years ago on the defensive side of the ball. Look, look those coaches are good coaches. Joe Vitt, um, uh, Greg McMahon, uh, you know, Those guys can coach. It's just, you know, you change them out. Peyton's a big believer in the Parcells uh, methodology of coaching. And one of his phrases all the time is, uh, you know, if you're not careful, you'll end up being retired before you retire. And what he means is, you know, you're just kind of going through the motions. And coaches do it and players do it. And I'm not saying that's what happened against the Vikings. I think that game, if you know, if they played the Vikings ten times, they'd probably win it eight times. And they just, for whatever reason, that was one of the two, and they lost. Uh, they didn't really play that well, and the Vikings had a good plan. Um, but I do think uh, we're going to see changes because I think Peyton senses a need to kind of – remember last year, Larry, going to camp? Uh, just how run-of-the-mill run it seemed. There was not a lot of edge to the team. And, and, and again, I don't want to overreact to the Vikings' loss that this is what caused it. I'm just sense that – Peyton's going to stir it up this offseason. And Jeff, they still won 13 games, though. So they're obviously in good shape. And uh, if you can go check out uh, theathletic.com slash New Orleans, and you can check out my story of examining every NFL roster. And the Saints are one of the most talented rosters leaving the 2019 season, much like they were leaving the 2018 season. And Jeff, uh, when I go back and look at the studies I did uh, in the middle of the summer, in, before the 2019 season and post-2019 season. And it's pretty wild to see how the uh, 
of my rankings and things, the Rams and the Bears were, say, the top two teams along with the Saints, and the Chiefs were fourth, and Cowboys were sixth. And the only ones that really remained up there uh, as far as making the playoffs and winning a ton of games were the Saints and the Chiefs. So the Saints are obviously doing something right. They've got a lot of talent, but say Demario Davis can only play one position. So I feel like you can look at throughout this roster and say, all right, there are holes in positions where you could use an upgrade or you just need to fill a spot uh, just to prevent some hiccups throughout the season where it, it gets you beat on a, in a game you shouldn't get beat and uh, you get into a position where you're playing wild card weekend and then you slip up and lose and that's it. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that um, the Saints are going to be kicking themselves this entire offseason uh, when they see how the Super Bowl plays out because this team was good enough uh, to win it all and they just didn't, for whatever reason, did not play well in that game. And I think when you watched the championship games this weekend, you saw uh, a team that easily could have put up a much better um, fight against the 49ers and the Packers did. I think everybody would agree the two best teams in the NFC were the, were the Saints and the 49ers all year long. And look, they're going to have to live with that. And I think that also will kind of create a little um, edge to this offseason. I sense that Sean Payton has it. And uh, I think Mickey Loomis has it. Uh, I haven't spoken to Drew Brees yet. I mean, I've actually talked to him, but not about that. But I've got a sense that after taking some time away, Drew Brees is going to come back, uh, you know, the same way. And I know he's not under contract, but I fully expect him to be back. And uh, I think once they kind of get their break, uh, this team's going to come back loaded for bear because of what's happened. And they know also, Larry, they know the window is going to close at some point. I don't think it's there yet. They're 13-3. and I think all of us are guilty a little bit of overreacting to one playoff loss when the team's gone 13-3 and the last two years. But there is a, a time frame, and you look around the league, and you start to see other teams kind of maybe making corrections to gain on them. Uh, what we see in Carolina, I think, is pretty uh, – if you're a Panthers fan, you got to be pretty excited about the direction of that organization. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen in Atlanta, but certainly Tampa Bay seems to be on the right track with Bruce Arians. So, uh, you know, the, the competition is going to continue to be fierce, and the Saints have to stay ahead of everybody uh, in that race because the NFL is just so competitive. And, Jeff, we're going to dive into our full off-season mode uh, – in our next podcast, uh, because we got so much to talk about on this podcast, uh, we don't want to sit here and talk for five hours because I don't think everyone's going to listen to us for five hours because we could dive in so many of these topics. But Jeff, let's talk in in this part uh, just about the quarterback position. And you mentioned Drew Brees, and I do feel like the angst from fans may come because of Drew Brees, and it's almost like they look at him making a couple of mistakes in the NFC wildcard game. And it wiped away the entire month of December where he was the offensive player of the month in the NFC. And they just look at that and they're thinking, okay, he's 41 now. Uh, how much does he have left in the tank? He played well down the stretch uh, because he had, he was able to sit out for five games. And then also I think, 
people assume that the end could be near as far as this is going to be his last season. And where do you go with the future of the position? Because Teddy Bridgewater is an undrafted free agent, uh, undrafted, uh, uh, unrestricted free agent. Uh, Taysom Hill is a restricted free agent. You've got a quarterback class coming up in the NFL draft that uh, could potentially be strong. And people are wondering what's next. And I, I think that's part of the angst that everyone's, uh, that a lot of people are having. Yeah. How many questions have you fielded this offseason about the quarterback position? You know, I've fielded a ton of them, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, I think it's the number one question on everybody's mind. Uh, and I think this is my take on it. Uh, I think the, the Saints bring back, bring back Breeze on a two-year deal like they've been doing with an out clause after one year, if both sides feel like it's it's not in their best interest. And I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to get an offer from somebody. I don't think it's going to be what everyone thinks. I think everyone thinks all these teams are going to line up to sign Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think that's going to happen. I think people get enamored. We all kind of guilty of being myopic when looking at the Saints and, and the local team. And I think people think Taysom Hill and Teddy Bridgewater are worth more uh, on the market than they really are. Uh, you know, I don't think anybody's going to back up the Brinks truck for T- Taysom Hill simply because I think Taysom Hill is in a system with a head coach that knows how to maximize his value and knows how to utilize him in the right plays to get the most out of him. I'm not sure there's other teams out there that have a Sean Payton and an offensive staff that can do that. Maybe there is. There might be somebody out there that sees that fit, sees uh, that opportunity, and goes for him. But I, I'll be surprised if it happens. And, and likewise, I, I don't think Drew Brees is dropping off at all. I mean, his numbers at the end of the year were off the charts. Did he play great against Minnesota? No, he did not. But that doesn't mean he's not capable. I mean, Aaron Rodgers didn't play good against the 49ers. He had a number of turnovers. And no one's running Aaron Rodgers out of Green Bay after one game. I mean, we just can't overreact to one bad game. People, people are trying to make the correlation between a bad game and the end of his and, and the end of his career, and I understand that. Uh, but you have to look at the whole body of the work, especially down the stretch, and how well he played. Well, and Jeff, all you have to do is look at the quarterback market as far as even just free agency. Just forget about Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert, Jordan Love. Uh, you know the names that are going to be flying around at quarterback, especially this week uh, with it being Senior Bowl week, but. The free agent quarterbacks on the, that could hit the market, I'm just saying as of right now, uh, you have Dak Prescott, Jameis Winston, Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady, Ryan Tannehill, Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, you have more notable names than probably uh, you're used to. And uh, do teams re-sign their own? Probably. But do others walk? Possibly. And would they want a draftable guy? Sure. And so... I do think, though, that uh, – and I caught some flack for it on, on Twitter. Stunning, Jeff, that I caught flack on, on Twitter no, for amazing. trying to – Yeah, exactly, for trying to actually put out something that might be valuable. But there's a new offensive coordinator in Carolina that runs the Saints offense that might just happen to be interested in Teddy Bridgewater. And that's Joe Brady. They know he knows the Saints offense – Maybe something there. And Jeff, the uh, uh, our, our partners over at SpotTrack.com, they have the calculated value for Teddy Bridgewater, uh, and they, they're 
putting it up there as 20 million per year, three years, 60 million. They feel like it would be something that he could get on the market. And that's, that's actually not huge money anymore for a quarterback. It sounds huge. Cause we think back of drew Brees. He got 20 million a year, what in 2012. And he was the highest paid quarterback ever, but that's actually not that much. So, uh, you know, but would the Saints be willing to pay that? I I can't. I just can't see that. And so, like, they're going to have to make a hard choice uh, there. Uh, but I'm with you. I think that he walks. I, I just I can't see how they can possibly make it work. Uh, and I think Sean Payton feels good enough about Taysom Hill. I mean, we've heard him say over and over uh, that he thinks that the heir apparent is in the building. And that is Teddy. Brut- uh, I'm sorry, Taysom Hill. And I just think that's how it's going to play out. I think it's a good situation to be in. But the the fact is, the Saints were smart to trade for Bridgewater a couple of years ago. They were um, smart to go back and get him last year. It helped save their season this year. Uh, but at some point, that's going to end. And Bridgewater, at his at this stage of his career, I think is ready to go on and be a starter for somebody. He has to go to the right team. He has to be the right fit. Uh, but that's what those teams do. That's what they have personnel directors, in, you know, employed to do is find a guy that fits their system. And Teddy Bridgewater, I think, proved this year that he can start in the league and be very effective. Uh, and I think he deserves to start. I don't think he was ready to continue to let that clock tick on his career, especially with the earning power he's missing out on as a potential starter. And I'm doing actually a dive on Teddy Bridgewater and his numbers and uh, what his numbers for this year, what it would have been potentially if he started the whole year, uh, where it ranks to people his age uh, playing quarterback and having the same sort of passer rating, which would have been around 99.1. That's what uh, he finished with. That's actually what he did during his uh, five starts uh, with the Saints. And so where does that compare? So be on the lookout for that in the next week or two. Uh, at The Athletic. But, Jeff, let's switch gears here. Uh, We'll talk plenty more Saints. We'll dive in position by position, needs, this, that, and the other. Uh, Our next podcast, I promise, will be full Saints, full Uh, offseason. We're doing it just because, like like I said earlier, Mickey Loomis is talking to the media, Senior Bowl, you kind of get through that. And so we will dive full in, full podcast next week on the Saints offseason. But uh, there's so much to talk about. Uh, around the region that we feel like we can't just simply devote it to Saints this week. So we're going to hop to LSU uh, national championship. They've done the parade and they've done the white house. They've done it all. Now Ed Ogeron is having to look at his actual team again, coaching staff, uh, players that will potentially fill a bunch of holes for seniors, leaving people leaving for the draft. Uh, I recommend going to go check out Brody Miller. He has uh, his latest story is the projection of the offensive side of the football. I'm sure a defensive side of the football is coming. So go check that out from our own Brody Miller at theathletic.com slash New Orleans. But Jeff, uh, you tell me, where do you want to start? Joe Brady leaving? Dave Aranda leaving? Uh, you, you tell me. I'll let you uh, I'll let you start wherever you want to start. Well, I mean, I think it's a, it's a huge blow to the program, but it's also a credit to the program and to Ed Ogeron. Uh, when you have success, you get poached. And uh, both those jobs that they that Dave Aranda and Joe Brady left for are no-brainer promotions, huge promotions in their careers. And it's part of the cycle 
of a of a young coach like a Joe Brady or Dave Aranda to move on. So uh, Ed Ogeron now has to replace them, and it's those are two huge hires. I mean, uh, rumors now Bo, Bo Pelini might be the guy. Um, a lot of other rumors about who would replace Joe Brady. It sounds like they have someone in house that they want to promote to that position, but that still leaves kind of the wide receivers coach position open. Uh, and that job uh, is uh, right now available. But I, I think this is going to be a test, an early test of the Ed Ogeron tenure. Can he hire replacements at that level? It's going to be very difficult. Dave Aranda is the best defensive coordinator in college football, or at least one of the best, along with Brent Venables. And Joe Brady, what he did to the offense, will that be retained? Will they be able to keep intact uh, what he brought with him, the passing concepts from the Saints, or will someone new come in and change it over? Uh, A lot of intrigue, and and I'm not sure how it all is going to play out right now, but uh, two huge losses for the LSU program. Well, Jeff, let's start offensively uh, with the Joe Brady departure. We knew that if the NFL came calling, he would certainly entertain that. And he had to say what he had to say while job offers were being floated around and this and that. And uh, and yet, uh, look, you lose him, and I get it, but I'm wondering uh, – even just going forward, no matter who you bring in, what happens at that quarterback position and how well the offense moves. And and I wonder how maybe that affects the hire. I mean, do you think that not everyone's ever going to be Joe Burrow again? I mean, we know that. But do you think that the quarterback room and, and what's left behind at LSU, do you think that affects who might come? Or they just see LSU as, wow, LSU is a national champion they're recruiting great. They're getting top players, and they're going to come in, and and this is a job that people are going to really seek. Yeah, that's a great question, man. I, I don't know the answer to that. I think I think Joe Brady's star rose so quickly, and he be, and that offense uh, transformed overnight once he got there. There's going to be a lot of questions in the minds of recruits going forward. Can they continue that same type of system uh, without him there? Uh, now, Steve Insminger worked with him. He's the offensive coordinator. Uh, I'm not saying it can't. I'm, I'm sure they're going to c- maintain those concepts he brought with him. But will it be as effective without Joe Burrow running it and without Joe Brady's input? I, I don't know. So I think there's going to be a wait-and-see period uh, from top quarterback prospects. Uh, and also who they hire to replace Brady will also have an impact on those future decisions. But uh, I'm sure Ed Ogeron knows that. And – I think judging by his track record, Larry, you have to have confidence that he's going to make good hires. I mean, the hires he's made since he took over have all been A-plus hires. That's been one of the best, uh, I think, um, developments of Ed Ogeron as a head coach. Uh, He's put together an NFL-quality staff, and it showed this past year. But now he's got to do it again. I mean, Sean Payton's talked about that uh, over and over as the head coach of the Saints, how important it is to get the right coaches in the building and uh, I think uh, he proved that when he made that last round of hires of Ryan Nielsen and Mike Nolan and that group. Uh, you got to continue to have good coaches as well as good players, and so these hires are going to be critical. Well, Jeff, uh, outside of Matt Canada, I think everything has been A+, plus because obviously yeah, that point. one blew up in his face. But he was able to – look – Get that out of the way. Uh, that was certainly a, a point of contention throughout LSU. There's no doubt about that. But 
And, and Jeff, I don't want to take away from Ed Ogeron here. Uh, obviously, he's he is where he is because he's earned it and he's done plenty of right things. But Joe Brady fell into his lap. It's not like they knew about this guy. He just fell into their lap. And yes, he's made good coaching decisions, but I mean, it's not like the Saints are going to walk in again this offseason and have some wonderkin fall in their lap and they go and hire him you know so it's uh, I'm leery I'm I'm leery there and I'm sure people are definitely salivating at coming to coach at LSU it's 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 different than say going to bring in Cam Cameron Uh, you know when I remember when they made that hire I I said that is going to be a terrible hire and people wondering why and I, I just said man you look at uh the offense and what Cam Cameron has been able to do. Uh, he is an uninspired hire. Uh, I, you know, so where do the, and that's not Ed Ogeron, I get it, but I'm just thinking offensive coordinator, Gary Croton, you know, people have, have long memories. And so I'm curious to see if Ed Ogeron can find the right guy as opposed to someone falling into his lap, happen to meet up, Bringing a Pete Carmichael brings up Joe Brady. They don't know about this kid, and then all of a sudden, kid, you know, relatively speaking, and then all of a sudden he becomes uh, this this great assistant coach. Well, I think this is where you lean on your networking and your contacts, right? I mean, uh, they've got a lot of coaches on that staff that know a lot of coaches in the NFL. Uh, they're gonna, if they're smart, they're gonna mine that networking resource. And try and find someone that is a good fit, someone that has the proper credentials, uh, because I do think that helped them uh, having pl- uh, coaches on staff that knew the Saints, and they they took advantage of that. So I think uh, they could continue to do that, but it's it's easier said than done. But I will say this: what 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 works in their advantage, obviously, is the strength of the program, the success of the program, the fact that you're now a launching pad program. You're viewed as a a hot destination for coaches. And Ed Ogeron's reputation is a great guy to work for. He's not the old Ed Ogeron from Ole Miss that was micromanaging his coaches. He lets his coaches coach. It's a great place from all accounts, a great place to work for coaches. Uh, And they've got a deep deep roster of analysts now. I mean, they're much like Alabama. They're keeping up with the Joneses there and there's a lot of guys on, on in that analyst group that have been coaches at high levels at other places. So I don't think they have a shortage of candidates. I think, uh, can you get the right fit? And I think it's, uh, like you said, Larry, I think it's uh, wise for all of us not to raise expectations they're going to have another Joe Brady walk in that building because that was probably a lightning bolt that uh, we won't see happen again. I agree, uh, obviously. <laughs> but uh, let's uh, let Dave Aranda. I mean, we've talked about him. They paid him plenty, plenty of money to keep him around as long as possible. Obviously, Baylor has become an attractive job with Matt Rule going to the Panthers. I mean, it's this uh, six degrees of Aranda and Joe Brady and the Panthers and all this. It's it's kind of a bizarre twist to, to the entire puzzle. But – Look, Dave Aranda, uh, certainly one of the best defensive minds in college football, uh, going to be a head coach at Baylor. And I feel like because of LSU's reputation, it might be, and Ed Ogeron's know all about defense, it might be uh, a hire that's, I'm not going to say easier, but maybe that him himself, Ed Ogeron, may have a better feel 
uh, of guys who would be right for that job. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think uh, he probably feels more comfortable because that's the side of the ball that he's been on most of his career. Uh, and I do think LSU's reputation there uh, certainly helps. I mean, they're always going to have elite athletes coming to the defensive side of the ball. So you're always going to get coaches that want to come in there and coach those guys. That's what drew Dave Aranda uh, down here from Wisconsin. He knew that he could coach NFL quality prospects. So uh, again, I, I don't think they're going to have any shortage of guys. I think it's just a matter of picking the right one. Uh, and, and look, a staff is always, uh, you know, there's a, there's a chemistry to a staff and a, a proper makeup. Uh, you don't want to have all veteran assistants and guys that have been around. You don't want to have all young guys. There's a proper mix there. And that, that uh, chemistry uh, is certainly I'm, – I'm certainly being considered, I'm sure, by Ed Ogeron, how they get the right young people in there, how they get the right uh, guys that have been around uh, to have the right mix going forward because this team has lost a lot of players too. We've talked about two coaches here, but, man, they've lost a lot of talent as well. It's going to be a young team next year, and they're going to have a bullseye on their back after winning the national title. So it's not going to be easy for whoever comes in and takes those uh, uh, positions. No, it won't. And uh, you're certainly going to still have some pieces in the secondary. Uh, your linebacking core, uh, you're losing Patrick Queen. Of course, you're losing a lot of that defensive front. But, uh, you know, Calavon Chason, he, he's leaving. And uh, a lot of the pieces offensively, Joe Burrow, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Justin Jefferson declared, uh, you know, Thaddeus Moss declared. Uh, you're losing four of your five starters on the offensive line. Uh, the only returner is Austin Deculus, and so you're going to be trying to have to patchwork there. And so, uh, you know, it, it's there could be some growing pains. You know, you're losing so much, just so much turnover. Uh, you know, and it's not like LSU is uh, completely used to this and having the bullseye on their back. You know, they're they're. We got to see how they respond. I mean, Alabama's learned to respond under Nick Saban. Uh, Clemson has learned to respond uh, under Dabo Sweeney, but we haven't seen LSU respond. And so I think expectations, like you said, sure they're going to be mile high, and yet I think we we need to sit back and 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 let it play out before we just start crowning the national champions again. Because uh, you know this. Uh, it's not like we've seen Auburn go win a national championship again after they had Cam Newton and then their run. And, uh, you know, we've seen little blips in the radar outside of, say, the, the, the major powerhouses like Alabama and might as well throw in Ohio State in there and, of course, uh, Clemson. So I'm, I'm curious to see what happens, Jeff. Well, i tell you what. Uh, this offseason, we may look back on it, you know, five years and say this was where the program – um, responded much like Alabama has to do every year, or it's it's it could be the off season where it, it takes a downturn. It, I mean, it's going to be difficult to not go down a little bit after last season. I mean, we've never seen a year like that with a storybook magical season. Uh, but these hires and the coaching staff will be a big part of it uh, going forward. And look, the recruiting has been off the charts for the most part. I don't think LSU's ever. Uh, had a higher Q rating than they do right now. Nationally, they should be able to get in the door with any player in the country, and not only uh, with their success on the field, but just the, the the way they're branded now. You know, the the social media team at LSU is incredible. Uh, they do a great job of branding 
the football program. It's a hot place to play. You want to play at schools like LSU if you're a top prospect. So I, I'm really interested to see what momentum, uh, what how it builds at going forward, Larry. Like, will they be able to c- capitalize on, on this and maybe start getting elite prospects from, say, the the East Coast corridor or even the West Coast? We know they've gotten into California a lot lately. If this becomes a regular thing where LSU uh, is recruiting nationally and then, of course, always takes the top uh, players in the state of Louisiana. It's going to be really fascinating to watch. Well, speaking of momentum, uh, the positive momentum for the Pelicans is finally going to be arriving uh, just in time, really. Zion Williamson is going to be making his debut on Wednesday night. Jeff, I know you are going to be in the Smoothie King Center along with our own Will Guillory uh, covering his return uh, or debut, uh, regular season debut, to, to the Pelicans. And Jeff, let's just start with his impact in general. I know it kind of, the, the hype and the excitement kind of fell off, of course, when he got injured and had to sit out a long time. But in your eyes, you know you're you're a, I, admittedly more of a basketball guy than I am. Uh, but how much and how quickly do you think that this momentum, at least in this city around the Pelicans, returns uh, with Zion's return? Yeah, I think it's going to be big initially, but I think at some point uh, it, the results have to follow. I think the best thing going on right now, Larry, is just the Pelicans are playing well on the court and they're turned around their early season struggles. So they have momentum uh, without him. And now they've got to figure out how he fits into the equation. Uh, Alvin Gentry and his staff have to figure out exactly what the rotation is going to be early on. So he's going to be on a pitch count, if you will, minutes wise. Uh, and how does he fit? You know, how does he fit into this uh, team that is playing so well right now? I mean, they hit 21 threes. Uh, in Memphis, Memphis was one of the hottest teams in the Western Conference, and the Pelicans uh, beat them easily the other night uh, with Drew Holiday back in the fold. Uh, this team's going to be exciting. They're going to be fun to watch whether they can forge their way back into the playoff uh, picture. I think they certainly can threaten that and get back uh, into contention for the number eight seed, but uh, there's really little margin for error because of that slow start, and I'm really eager to see – Look, the building's going to be sold out Wednesday night. There's no doubt. There's a buzz around town. I've, I was out over the weekend at two different restaurants and ran into just random people that told me they were going to the game. One of them lives in L.A., and she was staying over through the early part of the week, going to work remotely so she could go to the game Wednesday night. That's the kind of attention uh, this game has gotten. Uh, so uh, I don't have any doubt it's going to be an electric uh, debut that moment when he checks in and comes on the court is going to be pretty compelling, uh, but at some point the results have to follow. And I think he's I think he's uniquely equipped, Larry, to handle the expectations. He's a very grounded kid. He had huge expectations going to Duke. That's a huge stage, and he certainly delivered. So I'm not worried about that part of it. I'm worried more about uh, does the team. Uh, fit him into the mix and keep this momentum going that they've already kind of started. Well, Jeff, how do you think he fits into the mix? Uh, how do you think his style of play fits into what they have? Do they, do they have to alter this, uh, what they've kind of got going? Uh, what if they won 10 of their last 14 or three and a half out uh, in the for the eighth seed? And yet, 
there's still a half season left, so that's not some insurmountable thing. I mean, we're, if we're talking three weeks left in the season, it would be pretty difficult, but there's a half season. But, Jeff, how do you think he does – mesh in and, and and kind of mold into into this lineup? Well, I think he fits in very well. I mean, in, in Alvin Gentry's system, I mean, they, they get up and down the court. They play with, uh, you know, probably as hot a pace as anybody in the NBA, uh, and that's going to fit right into his game. I, I've tried to tell people, I, I think initially what you have to look for with, with uh, Zion Williams, I mean, Zion Williamson isn't the kind of guy, he's got such a huge rep and such huge hype around him but basketball-wise, man, his game is still developing. He's going to be like a role player, a super role player, uh, you know. But he's going to get his points running the court, you know, garbage rebounds, offensive rebounds. He's going to finish breaks. He's going to finish alley-oops. Uh, he plays extremely hard. He's going to be like a Draymond Green, only a better version of him. And what I mean by that is when you watch the Warriors play, most of the offense goes through – uh, Steph Curry, uh, Clay Thompson, certainly when Kevin Durant was there. And Draymond Green was like the fourth wheel, but he was an incredible player, and he got a lot of points just within the offense, hustling, making plays. That's what I think you're going to see from Zion Wilson. I think he's gonna, clearly what's happened is Brandon Ingram has developed into the main guy on this team. It's taken a little while, but he has really blossomed. And now you got Drew Holiday back, who I think is more comfortable as the Robin to a Batman, and I think Ingram is becoming that. And then I think the third spoke is going to be Zion Williamson, and he's going to score in a variety of ways. Uh, so I think it's going to be really fun to watch, but I don't think it's going to happen overnight. It's going to take them a little while uh, to adjust to how he fits into the lineup. Uh, well, Jeff, and how much do you think that they're going to be, say, not just minute restrictions, but all right, rest Zion a game, this, that, and the other. I mean, because we're seeing that all over the NBA anyway, even if with players that aren't, aren't hurt. I mean, how much do you think that, all right, there's, there's going to be nights off where, and it's not, sure, they're in playoff contention, but they're still going to protect Zion uh, as much as they can, uh, at least in the first few weeks. Well, I think they're definitely going to do that. I think it's going to be that way for the rest of the season. I know that initially he's definitely not going to play back-to-backs, and I would not be surprised if that continued through the year, uh, just because uh, you know this—he is so valuable to the franchise going forward. Um, they they can't afford any kind of setbacks with him physically. Uh, so I I'll th- I think it'll it'll continue to grow though. His his playing time will continue to grow as he gets into basketball shape, and that might take a little while, especially someone built like him. Uh, but he is an incredible physical specimen. Talking to people in the Pelicans organization, uh, they told me stories about putting him on a treadmill and his heart rate stays at an incredibly low rate uh, for someone that big physically. Uh, his heart rate should be much higher with the amount of energy he's using at the rate on the treadmill he's going at. So I think there's a lot of positive signs that he could come back fairly quickly uh, for conditions condition-wise, just because I think he's a, uh, as David Griffin says, he's a unicorn. I mean, he's just, we haven't seen anyone quite like this body type that has the physical uh, capability that he has uh, so early in their career. Well, we know the hype is going to be around. And of course, it's going to be nationally televised on ESPN. Uh, we're going to have blanket coverage here, uh, theathletic.com slash New Orleans. And uh, from national level, uh, from you, Jeff, from Will, I'm sure I'm going to jump on in. Uh, at some point and uh, look we're going to be as enamored and 
curious to see how Zion Williamson responds here in New Orleans as he makes his Pelicans debut coming up Wednesday night in the Smoothie King Center. So, all right, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Duncan Holder Podcast. You can follow all of our work at theathletic.com slash New Orleans, all of our podcasts, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. Of course, follow Jeff at Jeff Duncan underscore myself on Twitter at Larry Holder and all of our work at The Athletic NOLA on Twitter as well. And don't forget, rate, review, subscribe, uh, tell your friends, jump on board the Duncan Holder podcast here on The Athletic Podcast Network. So want to thank our producer, Danielle, as always, for uh, keeping this train rolling. And uh, we will be back next week. Full Saints offseason outlook. Position by position, we'll go through where we think the Saints uh, need to improve, if they're in good shape, uh, who they might be looking at uh, free agency-wise. We'll dive into all of that next week. So for Jeff Duncan, I'm Larry Holder. Thanks for joining us here on the Duncan Holder Podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network.